Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Anime Ichiban Podcast. Goomba Stomps Dedicated Anime Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Ponte, back after my little uh my little COVID vaccine vacation from last episode. And joining me this week is just Harry. This time hey. we're missing Kyle. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's not here. He's uh he was moving, isn't he? Yeah, we're just, we're just rotating through the members right now, just in a whole triangle. So like at this right next week, Harry will be absent. It'll That's, just be me and Kyle. And I, then I, all maybe, three of us will all, finally be back. All future podcasts should just be like just two of us and it just alternates on different cycles. It's it's like a little a little different flavor every episode. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. yeah, how are you doing, Matt? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. I was just like a little, little toasty in my apartment today. It's it's definitely warming up in Boston right now. And of course, I can't have my loud AC on blowing straight into my mic while recording. So that is off. <laughs> and I'm starting to sweat a little bit, but that's fine. We suffer for our art. We're not artists if we don't suffer, right? That's, you I think did, that's you did tell me if before you open up recording, you're recording fully nude, aren't you? Not half, half nude. Yes, I'm fully currently half shirtless. Nude. Yes. You, yes. you have your shirt on, but you have no trousers or pants on. <laughs> Yeah. You can check out that video cast on our OnlyFans. Oh yes. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um but, but yeah, I, I it's not too hot for you soon. I hope it cools down. Yeah, no. My my cat definitely makes it hotter when she just comes and sits on my lap. It's like this is my space now. I'm like, oh, but you're also <laughs> very warm. You add to the heat. This is anti-cool, but she's a cat, <laughs> so she makes up for it by being a cat. <laughs> I love but, yeah, cats so much. I, I love my cat too. I just, uh, I took her to her first vet appointment actually uh, this past week because I've had her for three months now. And so you want to take her into the vet just to make sure there's no like complications that have arisen from the first little bit of being with a new owner. And yeah, so she's a little kitten. She's only 10 months old now. And because this is my first time actually owning a cat, I've, my parents, my family's always been a dog family growing up. So I've had dogs in the past, but I've never owned a cat. I have friends have owned cats, but I've really worried that I'm like, have I actually been doing something like bad to her? I'm not sure. If I, am I feeding her enough? And so fortunately, she's she's plenty healthy. The vet did say, though, she's like at the lower end of like the healthy weight that she would expect. So maybe feed her a little bit more, just a small, little bit larger portions. But other than that, she's a spunky little 10-month-old kitten that is coming into her full weight. She's apparently going to be a little runt, though. Um, just nine pounds this is expected final way when an average cat is 10 to 12 pounds but yeah that's been my uh my noteworthy thing for the past yeah. three weeks other than getting over covid vaccine <laughs> how was that as well like so that, was that your first vaccine you had or your second so that, that was my second so i am fully vaccinated now which is great uh because i was able to go to my friend's birthday party yesterday in a pool yeah i got to see people again imagine you that can, you can kiss your dad on the lips again I can lick doorknobs again. It's great. Yes, I, uh, All I've the had, my, fir- I've of had my first vaccine, so I'm just waiting for my second one. Oh, yeah? Um, I, how did the first dose treat you? It was fine. Honestly, there were no side effects for me. Um, I, I, I hate injections. I'm really not a fan, but I felt like with this one, it's just like I've got to do it. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it'll probably be impossible for us to reach herd immunity, but we did what we can, and now I can rest easy that at least I won't get it anytime yeah. soon but yeah the the second dose treated me pretty well like the first dose hit me moderately hard like i was knocked out for a day and so i was expecting the second dose to hit me because it seemed like the second dose was worse for most people but yeah the second dose was actually a lot less severe for me the only thing i did i was just really dumb and i did the exact same thing i did after my first dose where the morning afterwards i'm like i feel 
pretty okay. Let's go out and like get some fresh air. Go for a quick walk. And that was a <laughs> bad idea. I oh, came back feeling kind of out. Yeah, I came back feeling kind of miserable, but not as miserable as I did after the first dose. But yeah, it's just like, okay, I'm going to plant my ass down on the couch and just play video games and watch anime for the rest of the day. Not doing Sounds perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had preemptively taken that day off of work because it was a Friday. So mm. it, it worked out nicely. Yeah. But yep, now I'm all I'm all good. I can enjoy life again. It's great. Just in time for summer. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Know? Um yeah. also before we start recording, I'll have to tell you about my recent PlayStation 5 potential scam story. Uh, oh so, no. <laughs> so I obviously, as you know, it's very hard to get a PlayStation 5, and I really fucking want one. And yeah. it came up on Facebook. I normally don't go for Facebook ads, but this this was an impulsive exception. Um it came up with this <laughs> company, Electronics Direct. Um, it was a little UK based company. Um, and it, it came just saying, we've got PS5 in stock now. We're shipping them out next week. And I looked and it's there in stock retail price as well. Uh, this was retail like, price. The, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so the digital version was there for like 350 quid. And I've seen mm-hmm. that same version for like 500, 600 in shops where right. it's been sold on. So I thought, fuck, okay, I'll get it. Cause it will sell out in a few minutes. Um, and that was all well and good. I bought it. It all seemed fine. Until I looked at some reviews and people were saying, this is a scam company. Don't give them your money. They will take it and they will cease your contact. So at this point, I was thinking, shit. So I checked my email. They'd sent me a confirmation email. But, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could be here or there. Um, I phoned my bank to say, could you maybe cancel the transfer? But it had already gone out of my account. And they said, we can only do something in two weeks. So that was a bit annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I did talk to the company that night on, like, the little web chat. And they sort of said, no, we're not a scam company. We're legit and, and it's all good. Um, so I okay. don't know. I might be getting a PlayStation 5 next week. Oh, or this I is might... still developing. Okay. Yeah, well, this is a weird thing because like, there's lots of reviews saying they are great and that they're a legit company. Then there's lots of reviews saying they're not. And it's, it's scattered about all different websites. And this company, when I did message them afterwards, they said like, no, we had an issue in the past where we tried to refund people. And it took ages to refund them. So... They yeah. thought they were getting scammed, but they did eventually get their money back. And I thought, well, actually, you've already taken my money. You've got no reason to be, like, communicating with me now. So, right, I was going to say, because the review said they ceased all contact, but you at least got a yeah, hold of them, so that's Yeah, so I was, I was thinking maybe they are legit, but I don't know. It could just be a really good scam, because the site looks really good. The site looks legit, so mm-hmm. it could be a really good scam or an actual site, an actual company, and I'm going to get a PS5. So who knows? <laughs> that's, Have that's you gotten like a tracking number or anything for shipping or has it not nope. even shipped yet if it nope. exists? I have nothing. I literally have the order confirmation. This is another thing that has made me worry. I've not got any shipping information. Uh, so it's meant to ship out tomorrow. That's what we said. So okay. like, I don't know. I might have it by Tuesday or Wednesday, or I might just have had 360 quid taken off me because 10, 10 pounds for the shipping oh. as well. Um, so let's see. Exciting. Well, That's been an exciting development in my life. I'm I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, keep me updated on that. Damn, that is. I, I, I want to play with you Ratchet and Clank. I really want to PS5 yeah. just to play that game. Um, but yeah. It looks real good. It does, yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I, I've not been trying to, because like you said, it's just so impossible. Like I'm, it's like a part-time job to try to track mm. one of those down. Like I cannot like dedicate that much time to trying to track one down. I have been trying to track down the special editions for Metroid Dread and Shin Megami mm. Tensei Five after E3 just happened. And boy, are those hard to get right now. That's for sure. 
But yeah, mm. e- E3 just happened, of course. And because of that, there's actually not a whole lot of anime news that went on because I think it's just like took it took a little bit of a backseat to all the video game news. But yeah, just to really quickly to touch on that because E3 is it's first time E3 has come back after they took a break last year because of COVID. E3 was just like digital this time around. Were there any announcements that came out of that that you were particularly excited I, about or caught your interest? So I was very much following the Nintendo one. Um, mm-hmm. The Nintendo Direct, Metroid Dread was a great surprise. Like like that mm-hmm. was the big surprise for me. And there were a few little bits peppered in there that were quite cool, like the new WarioWare game. I was overall really disappointed. The reason being is because there wasn't a single announcement that made me think, what the fuck? <laughs> like there wasn't a single announcement that shocked me. Right, yeah. Um, for me, Metro Dread was like that. Like that made everything. Like, do you yeah. know the story behind Metro Dread? Um, I think that, so. That title. It, it started getting developed like 15, 20 years ago, didn't it? And it was so just it's it's an almost a decade old rumor, basically. Yeah, um, where it was originally it it was in like an investor meeting, like on a list of upcoming games of Nintendo, like twenty years ago, almost twenty years ago. And people were like, oh, Metro Dread is coming. And then it just disappeared. And people have always speculated, like, what happened to Metro Dread? Where is it going to happen? It just kind of became a meme eventually. And so the fact that all these years later that they are continuing the Metroid storyline, Metroid 5, the first Metroid post-Metroid Fusion um, since the Game Boy Advance days, and that it's actually Mm -hmm. called Metroid Dread (laughs) caused a lot of people to lose their minds, including mine. Like when that, that title dropped, I'm like, are you shitting me? There's yeah. no way. Um, and I I loved Metroid uh, Samus Returns on the 3DS. And this seems like just taking all those ideas and making a brand new game out of it that's not kind of like held back by the the format of the original Game Boy game of Samus or Return mm. of Samus. And it just looks fantastic. So I cannot wait for Dread. Um, just the fact that it's con- concluding this whole arc that's been going on for two decades is really exciting as well. So that... That alone, like, absolutely yeah. blew me away in terms of surprise. My friend is a huge Metroid fan, and he's really mm-hmm. excited. So, like, I, I, that to me, that was the moment that was like the the big bombastic Nintendo mm-hmm. surprise. People say it's like, oh, but the indie scene that they've done, they've refined the Metroidvania formula so well. There's no room for Metroid anymore. I'm like, it's like saying that there's no room for Mario games because there are so many indie platformers out there that have mm-hmm. done it well too, like Metroid. They, it's still prominent for a reason. And I think yeah. Metroid Dread is going to show that reason off for people who haven't seen a 2D, a brand new 2D Metroid game in ages and are just used to these uh, um, indie games. Not to, not to say that these indie games aren't fantastic, like Orin the Wisp and uh, Axiom Verge, Hollow Knight, those are all fantastic as well. But Metroid is special for a reason. And I think a lot of people are going to see why for Metroid Dread. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel it's kind of like saying to all the indie developers, okay, son, you did well holding down the fort while I was gone, but daddy's back now. Let me show you how the old man does it. And it's like, it's, you know, yeah, like you're saying, there's been loads of great Metroidvanias from indie developers, but now it's time for like the, the Godfather to return. It's it's time for the the big daddy to come back and to, or the big mummy, because it's Samus and, and, and she's yeah. the real protagonist. The, the big the, mummy the is first... going to come back. The first lady of video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's f- fucking cool. And obviously, I think it's awesome. But like, I know it's been said a billion times before, but like the fact that I think Samus Aran being a, a female protagonist and kind of like unveiling that 
in Roman it been the eighties? Like when late first... late eighties, early nineties, I think was the original. Yeah, bring, bringing that out when when video gaming was still so male dominated, mm -hmm. and kind of just announcing, oh, she's actually a female. This kind of like miscellaneous space character you've played as yeah. is a female character. Yeah, that's really fucking cool. It is it's being progressive at a time when I don't even think they realized they were being progressive. Mm -hmm. They probably didn't. Yeah, I think at the time they were it. just thinking like this will be a cool plot twist, but yeah, yeah but, but it, it turned it, out to, to be me, really impactful. A, a, a really great moment of progressiveness in gaming and, and like mm -hmm. flipping people's expectations. It's awesome. So yeah, yeah big exactly. ups Metroid. Absolutely. So yeah, that that was E3. Um, there's also some other a little little other gaming thing and non E3 related. Getting into the news for this this past week. So Harry, you like Sonic, right? You're, you you yeah you, you dig Sonic right yeah I mean I have um, a difficult relationship with Sonic but, but yeah, yeah I think I a, think everyone's relationship with Sonic yeah. is complicated <laughs> um, like this isn't the news story but like really quickly what did you think about the uh, the recent anniversary stream with their announcements that they had there uh, so is this in terms of like they're bringing the classic Sonic games onto like a new system mm -hmm. oh, I, I'm just, I feel I'm being so cynical but <laughs> but I'll have to do what I've got to do uh, the classic games coming out. It's cool and everything, but it just after we've had Sonic main, um, it's, it's Sonic Mega Collection, Sonic Mega Collection mm -hmm. Plus, and Sonic Gems Collection back in like the GameCube PS2 days, it's just like though these collections of all the classic Sonic games with Game Gear games thrown in and like all these kind of offshoots thrown in. So they're, they're saying like, oh, we're bringing the original Mega Drive games back and Sonic CD back. It's like, well, that's not particularly exciting because I've played them all a million times each. Mm -hmm. um unless they bundle it with like some great behind the scenes content and some great sort of like novel never before seen stuff i ultimately think it's gonna be really quite just it is what it is it's just the classic sonic games brought to a new system mm -hmm. which is fine but it's, it's, I'm just, i just can't really get excited for it unless it's got something new in it that i've not seen before um so yeah then in terms of like sonic colors remastered okay i'm gonna be a bit negative here for a second but i'm gonna i'm gonna time for a little sort of rant <laughs> every 3d sonic game past sonic adventure 2 is dog shit and here is why here's my thesis the reason <laughs> why sonic is good in the first place is because it's a platform of it's about physics and momentum if you play those original sonic games and the sega mega drive it is about your speed and your physics and your momentum and that dictates how sonic controls how he plays how he actually gets through the level that's why it's fun and that's why it's so different to mario because Mario is just a point A to point B platformer. Not to say it's not good, because obviously it's great, but Sonic is different. It's very much about your speed, how you sort of build up this momentum, go around loops and jump off like certain ramps. And if you jump at certain points, you'll go in different directions. It's really fun. Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 understood that. They translated that physics and momentum into a 3D space reasonably well. Whereas Sonic, you could do a spin dash and you could leap and you'd fly through the air. And then you're sort of trying to control where you land and you're trying to almost like efforts to slightly break the levels and find little glitches and shortcuts in these speed-based levels, and that's why it was fun. Following on from that, when Sonic Heroes came around, it just completely locked that physics and momentum, so it was much slower, much clunkier, and it became much more like a sort of standard platformer, just with kind of so, sort of pseudo-Sonic gameplay in it. But it stopped being a physics momentum-based platformer, and that continued for every 3D Sonic game. Um, and that's why they're shit. Because the, the whole thing that makes Sonic fun in the first place was just abandoned. I think modern Sonic is terrible. And, and I think the Sonic team are ultimately incompetent, clueless developers 
who should give up on the franchise because they don't know what makes it fun and they've proven that for decades. That's my rant over. <laughs> thank, thank you, you for, for that, that TED thank talk. Thank you for coming to my TED talk, yeah. <laughs> yes. So what if, what, what if this changes your mind, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What if, okay. what if, what if Sonic VTuber... It's not changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it would. So yes, uh, the the 30th uh, anniversary celebration happened. Um, there was also that that orchestra concert that I was telling to watch. That was apparently really cool. It's a free I concert saw a called the Sonic. It, it, it was cool. I saw a little bit. So it. it was really cool. Actually, yeah. there's some positivity I, from me. Yeah, I keep forgetting that Sonic actually has really good music outside of like Crush Forty. Oh yeah, goes without saying. But just like the game music as well is very good. Sonic but, Sonic music has been the one constant. It's been like consistently really fucking good throughout all the games. Yeah. So this this Sonic VTuber <laughs> also has uh, debuted alongside it, and it came right after. Uh, I forgot the name. One of the producers of Sonic games, basically, he he just mused out loud. It's like, yeah, we we're considering making a Sonic VTuber and maybe even a theme park. And I was like, wow, that is out there. And then literally the next day, we have a tweet from the official Japanese uh, Sonic account with this <laughs> this 3D Sonic just being voiced by Junichi Kanemura, which it, or Kanemaru, sorry, which is the Japanese voice actor for Sonic ever since the Sonic Adventure days. And it's this thing is hilarious because it's it's facing you straight on, and yet it's his mouth is like shifted off to the side in this oh, weird gosh. like side mouth thing because you know how, I, I I I don't know it's like <laughs> Sonic kind of has his mouth to the side I get it yeah yeah it, it's it's very but it's really strange to see that in real time as opposed to just just like in this this con controlled environment of a cutscene or a game. And so he's just on here and comes up with this message saying, hey guys, I am Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. I ran and this is where I reached. Twitter, is it? How cool. It seems lively and fun. Thanks for the celebratory comments, everyone. 30 years, 100 years, let's keep it up. See you. So Harry. Oh, <laughs> the thing is, Twitter isn't li like fun and celebratory <laughs> and lively. It is a horrible place filled with <laughs> discrimination. Uh, but I'm glad that Sonic's optimistic about it. <laughs> so yeah, you you've uh, been uh, outside the VTuber sphere this whole time, right? Yeah, like, mm. um, would you watch a Sonic VTuber? The with the, with the voice of the Japanese. I, I'd, I'd check actor? it out for two minutes and then the think that's it. that's strange, and then probably yeah. never watch or think about it again. If that answers your question. Yeah. Um, no, I would check it out. I'm intrigued, but I'd be checking it out as like, let's see what a train wreck this is rather than, yeah. oh, cool, a Sonic V2, <laughs> sign me up. It would be like that morbid curiosity sort of checking yeah. it out. So like what, what kind of content would you want the Sonic VTuber to do? Sexually explicit fanfic reading. <laughs> <laughs> and only that. <laughs> There's no shortage of that, that's for sure. I am... Yeah. I, I know um, the whole the whole meme of just searching your name like Matt the Hedgehog, googling ugh. that and seeing what comes up. Like oh, any gosh. name under the sun, just put like blank the hedgehog, and you'll ugh. get something. And oh, I have not done God. that. I refuse we, to. We we have to we have to do a podcast episode where we're reading out Sonic themed fan fiction about ourselves. Do we? Yes. <laughs> Like, we have to do that. I mean, uh, I'm down, personally. Okay, you we'd have to have be. all... 
you prove. Uh, we, we we have to we have to. That'll be a bet. That'll be a bet. Okay, we, we'll 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 make a bet of something down the line, and the loser has to read Sonic fan fiction on the podcast. <laughs> How about okay. that? Okay, that sounds like a plan. Uh, Maybe we could like do it with like a bit of an anime quiz or something. Oh yeah, yeah true. I'll, like a little I'll, competition. I'll, like oh I'll, oh, I got it. The next the next time I make a a podcast game between you and Kyle, the loser. The loser has to, has to do it. <laughs> yes, yeah. there we go. There we go. I hope I lose. <laughs> I want to lose. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Maybe maybe I shouldn't make that the punishment. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Okay. Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay. Sonic Spoil- fan fiction will Spoil- return. Potential maybe spoilers for the future, I guess. Yes. Um, no, in terms of, in all seriousness, if there's going to be content, I think, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, the obvious thing would be to stream certain Sonic games, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean... I just I I don't know what content this I think situation what would be, be kind of neat wouldn't be awful. What what could be kind of neat is because he is the official voice actor for Sonic. If he was like you said, if he was streaming playing the Sonic games and then giving commentary about like oh like here's a story about when I voiced this line. Oh, like it's a funny yes. story like all the different ways like giving live commentary on the game as they go yes. through like insight into yeah, the that, game. Yeah, that would be genuinely good because then it's just like a behind the scenes sort of look at yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's so think. I think that's there's actually a fair amount of potential in that regard, not just for Sonic, but kind of any any uh, video game franchise. If they decide to make a VTuber out of any of the characters, a Master Chief VTuber. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just being being able to give that live commentary, that live insight, just like that firsthand experience of working on the game, um, and it, in a different form than just kind of like these developer diaries or live documentaries that we hardly get to begin with. So yeah, I think mm. it'll be interesting to see what. Is he going to do that? Something tells me not. Um, if, if, if it was like that, like kind of like giving you loads of trivia facts, I would actually genuinely check that out. I would genuinely yeah. watch facts. I'd be intrigued to hear stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who knows? Exactly. Yeah, we don't have any other news on what this uh, Sonic VTuber will be doing. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out because that was just announced uh, two days ago, in fact. So yeah, not. we'll see. And other news of VTubers, poor Harry. It's just always just... Alone with a VTuber news, this but this is, is this isn't an anime podcast anymore. It's a VTuber podcast only. Yeah, but there is a lot of a lot of crossover for sure. I don't think there are any VTuber fans that aren't an anime fan. But this is right, uh, okay. la- la- last episode. Uh, you got you and Harry, not you and Harry. You and Kyle covered the Niji, Shan- Niji Sanji English auditions, I believe. Uh, this episode, I can't remember. <laughs> this episode, this is a pretty big uh, news piece that happened right after you guys recorded that episode, like literally like the day or two after or something. So uh, to give Harry and anyone else a little more background on this character. So Kiryu Koko of Hololive is graduating on July 1st. And Kiryu Koko is hands down the most prominent uh, VTuber out there, probably. She... If you recall, uh, we talked about on a previous podcast many, many months ago about the top YouTube Super Chat uh, earners of 2020. So uh, Kiryu Koko, she deb- debuted in December of 2019. Her whole shtick is that she is this like this dragon girl and she runs she runns a branch of the Yakuza. So she's kind of like off-hinged. And so she deb- debuted in J- December 2019. By August 2020, she was the number one Super Chat revenue earner on all of YouTube worldwide <laughs> within six months. Oh, damn. She was earning the most revenue on YouTube out of anyone else on YouTube. Oh and God. that's ke- keeping in mind that she couldn't even earn revenue on YouTube until February of 2020. So it was actually five months of revenue making 
um, compared to everyone else. So she how, is. How has she earned about merchant comparison to like huge YouTube names? Like, like how be, has she done that? Because one, um, VTubing was exploding in Japan. And two, um, and this is why Cuter Coco is important as well, is she was definitely the bridge between Japanese fans and English fans. Um, she is, a, she was the main bilingual member on Hololive that could speak English and Japanese fluently. And one of her main claims to fame is this, um, this segment that she did called Asakoko Live, which is kind of like this parody news broadcast that she was doing at the start every single day of the week where it'd be a short 30 minute news broadcast. And she would come up and just talk about things that are happening within Hololive, um, do these funny little skit um, cartoons, bring in other members, introduce them, bring them into this limelight. And furthermore, not only that, but she went through the effort of subtitling those episodes, giving official subtitles for those episodes for English-speaking audiences. Because up until uh-huh. that point, Hololife had always been reliant on, on fan subbers, essentially, like generating these clips. And those are, depending on the quality of the fan sub, may or may not be the most accurate thing. But Coco was the first Hololive member to actually make her own official subs for the channel. And that definitely drew in a lot more English audience. And because all the other Hololive members were being featured on these Asakoko episodes, it got them exposed to those and really um, let them out as well. So she was definitely bridging the gap between um, the Japanese and English-speaking audience that really led to this explosion in uh, VTubing content, especially during the COVID era. Mm. And Yeah, that's cool. You, you might recall also earlier, Harry, um, we talked about how there was a, a controversy with Hololive in ter- involving uh, Taiwan and China. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, so Coco was one of those members that was caught up in that. Um, mm. And she came back stronger than ever. And when she came back, she was under intense pressure by anti, um, Chinese aunties just every time in her stream, just harassing and spamming it. And she persevered through all of it. Um, and of course, we don't have the exact reason for why she's graduating. Graduating means like moving on from Hall Alive, not not going to be doing it anymore. Um, so, 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 wait, just to double check. So, this VTuber is she? Uh, is she Taiwanese or Japanese? She is. We don't know for sure, but we believe she's actually American. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so, so um, the whole controversy. Just remind me very briefly, because I, I, I like I do remember a bit. Like it's it's. I, I know it's obviously because like China is really shit towards Taiwan and stuff. And uh, is, is, yeah. it, is it that, is it like? The controversy was that on one of her streams, she was showing some uh, YouTube analytics of where her audience was coming from. Oh, and yeah. yeah and, and, and in those in analytics, Taiwan was an individual country, yeah. But the Communist Party of China and, and, and the way they treat other countries and their people is just fucking despicable. Yeah. But anyway... So- that, I mean, like that that definitely came into play in a lot of Coco's dreams when she came back, mm-hmm. which was unfortunate. She definitely persevered through that a lot. And so what I was getting at is that we don't know the official reason for why she's deciding to graduate. Um, we believe from what she, everything she's told us, um, it's believed that 80% of the reason is that she feels like um, because she is part of an agency, she doesn't have full control over the kind of content she can put out. And being an cr- extremely creative individual, um, there's been multiple times where she's had ideas and she's just been shut down. And so um, it's believed that she wants to move on to maybe do her own thing. We don't know for sure. We haven't heard anything. But it's also really hard to not think in the back of your head is like, did did that harassment have any any part to play in this? Which is really sad to think because it's it's hard. It's sad to think that 
um, antis would view this as some sort of victory in a way when hopefully it's, that's really not the case. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. some, one, of, one of her other main uh, claims to fame is that she had this the segment called Reddit Meme Reviews. So you know what a meme is, right, Harry? A meme? Yeah, a meme. A meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the concept of a meme isn't actually super well understood um, to the Japanese people. Uh, sarcastic, ironic humor in general isn't super well understood. Like they, they do right. have sarc- sarcasm, they do have irony, but not like quite to the same extent as the Western Western culture does. And so memes mm. don't oftentimes don't make sense to them. And so Coco, being this bilingual person and with the Hololive Reddit, excuse me, being as active as it is generating these memes, one of her favorite segments popular segments was she would invite one of the Japanese branch members onto this segment and they would just go through the memes on English speaking Reddit. And she would explain that meme to this Japanese member and why it's funny. And just like, just all this crazy shit nonsense for, uh, for example, some of the lore that's come out of this meme review, the meme basically was, it was this image of Coco on a bed and it was like making fun of her. It's like, how does she sleep? Because she's super curvy. Like she's very busty and she also has a tail on. So if she sleeps like on her chest, then that's going to be like bent in a weird way. And if she sleeps on her back, then her tail would be in the way. So the me was kind of like making fun of that. It's like, how does she sleep? And so Coco made fun of that. It's like, oh, actually my tail is detachable. Where does it attach, you ask? Well, of course my butt. <laughs> um, and that, of course, ah. blew up into a whole thing. And so that's just one example of kind of like the lore that has revolved kind of like been generated from this character that has well, perpetuated e- to ER, this day. Like Lord of the Rings. You thought you had some good lore, but there we go. That is proper <laughs> world building. <laughs> yeah, that's proper world building right there. Um, just uh, a few more tidbits on Coco just to give her a, a proper send off because she is graduating in, as of today recording, four more days, July 1st will be her graduation stream. So she originally applied to a Hololive as management not as an actual talent, but by coincidence, they were also doing fourth generation auditions as in like the fourth generation of Hololive members. And they just liked her for that more than her management skills. And so they brought her on as a talent. And so it was totally unexpected how much she would bridge the gap in that regard. Um, Where'd it go? Uh, Are you familiar with uh, how Super Chats work on YouTube, Harry? I don't know what one is, let alone how it works. Okay, so a super, <laughs> super a super, chat. A super chat is a donation, basically. Matt, like every you. time I talk to you, it's a super chat, I have to say. Oh, well, thank you. Where's my money then? Oh, you, you, well, <laughs> we gave our tail out your ass first and then we'll All right. talk. <laughs> yeah, so super chats are donations, basically. YouTube donations for streams. Um, you donate some money and then it'll highlight your message in the chat. And depending on how much you donate, that, that highlight will be a different color with the red being the highest denominator. But uh, her chat kind of coined this term of flush where whenever, uh, whenever Coco would go to use the restroom, the chat would flood her with blue super chats being these really low donation, uh, donation amounts to simulate a toilet flushing. <laughs> God. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... I don't know if this is a, a good job or a bad job. I mean, I, I'm guessing it's a good job that she has because she's earning so much money, but at the same time, there must be times when she just thinks, hmm, this is a pretty strange career path. Like, like 
<laughs> people are giving me money to simulate me flushing the toilet. I'll be honest, Matt, I yeah. don't get it. I'll be <laughs> honest, a- I'm really trying to keep up. I just don't yeah. get it. That's understandable. Uh, the, the, nah. the, go ahead. So I, I, need, I need to ask like the cynical kind of questions now. So, so like, how old is she firstly? We don't know. Like a lot of the personal information for these talents are kept secret, kept under wraps right. um, because it is supposed to be like this, this, uh, this degree of separation between the talent and the audience. So, yeah. I was for, if, she, if she's graduating, does that make her a certain age? But, um, but, but no, so what is she like in her twenties? Is there like a rough age? Um, I, I wouldn't be able to say, I can't, I, I don't know. Right. Don't know. Cause yeah, gra- graduation is just kind of like a catch-all I just, term. That the I just kind on. of picture, and this is probably like the blunt cynic in me. I just picture like her chat being virgin, horny, like socially awkward weebs who just want to fuck her. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a really innocent bunch of, fun people but i just picture this very kind of like like oh woo kind of guys <laughs> yeah does that I mean, kind of make sense yeah i mean of course there's going to be that proportion of audience and that's the case for any sort of idol culture in japan because yeah. hollow live is definitely kind of like based based off of idol culture the run of the running jokes is that the the producer is like he wants to run an idol company but instead he puts out comedians instead because they very they all act very unidle like usually. But yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. there's definitely going to be that that proportion of audience that is the unsavory type. But the the nice thing about Hololive and I think what really came uh really demonstrated itself during that time when Coco was coming back after her hiatus with the whole Chinese controversy is that the community was came together to kind of help out and moderate and protect Coco away from these aunties. Like whenever, whenever her chat was being flooded by these really malicious messages, the chat themselves, not even being moderators, would just like go through and mute them and delete, um, ban them and mute them. Um, Like really coming to our aid in this part. And if there's one thing that the Hololive community has shown is that they are extremely supportive of the, the talents and their, their endeavors. If you check on, I know you don't like Twitter, but whenever you look at anything, um, yeah, any of the comments on Twitter or the comments on Reddit, uh, it's definitely it's there's there's definitely the darker parts of the fandom, but it's not near it's not nearly as overbearing as a lot of other fandoms. And that's that's really cool. It's nice to know there's, there's like at least a handful of people who are actually sincerely just entertained by the content and don't have like sketchy ulterior motives. And yeah, just and you don't get to be to entertain the, themselves. Yeah. Sorry. You don't get to be the number one super chat revenue earner on YouTube just by raw sex appeal. Like, yeah, she has genuinely um, entertaining content. Her her main talent within the agency is bringing out the latent talent of other members. Essentially, like yeah. all of her uh, all of her best content is collaborations with other members rather than just her by herself. Yeah, I want to also say as well, like, I wasn't implying that like that's all she was but i wasn't putting that across at all i mm-hmm. I've, I've no doubt she's very talented and very right. good at what she does um irrespective of like her physical appearance or whatever but like i was more so just criticizing like for potential fans but right was, like, yeah. no criticism directed at her at all right. um but no like, you've you've restored some of my faith in humanity so <laughs> yeah it's definitely very odd trying to explain the appeal especially like in a short amount of time without being able to show like clips to someone the appeal of YouTubers, someone, because it definitely does sound odd um, when you're just putting it into words. But 
I, I did want to cover. That's, that's part of a fun. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to cover Coco's graduation because it is a big deal. She's definitely, if you ask someone how they got into VTubers in general, at least half of them would say it's because of Coco. Um, she, her, her mm. presence has definitely been felt. I actually haven't watched that much of her content, but even so, like, I understand just how important a figure she is in the VTubing community. Um, yeah. I also really want to give a shout out because it'd be unfair to only focus on Coco and not shout out Lulu of Niji Sanji, who is also graduating on the 30th. Um, she is not as big as Coco, and I actually don't follow Niji Sanji at all, but I do want to give a quick shout out. She is also graduating on the 30th. She's also been a very large part in the VTubing community. She's very well known for her endurance video game stream. So Harry, Harry, what's the longest you've ever played a video game for straight? Oh, like in one go? Yes. Um, like bathroom breaks implied, of course, but. I, oh, I mean, it can't be longer than like a sort of 10, 12 hours sitting, honestly. Um, right. Yeah, what about you? Uh, for, I actually, yeah, my, my longest session straight, I, I'd say it's never been longer than six hours, actually. Mm. Yeah, I, because it, despite how much I love video games, I, yeah, I've just, I, I reach a point at some point, like, okay, I've had enough for now. But yeah, Lulu, so one time, and this is just one time, so she had an eight-hour-long Ring Fit adventure stream, okay? So it's, it's oh, one gosh. thing to be playing a video game for eight hours. It's another thing to be playing Ring Fit, which is actually, like, very tiring, especially if you set it to higher difficulties. Uh, have you ever played mm. Ring Fit Adventure? No, but I really want to get it. It yeah, is it, on my uh, playlist. It, it is a legitimate workout. It, it will definitely make you tired. So she did eight hours of that, directly followed by afterwards, eight hours of Dark Souls 3. Oh, damn. So 16 hours in total, half of which was an actual crazy. physical activity. And that's just like one instance. So that's her kind of claim to fame. So yeah, she's I swear, I swear there was someone who like did a stream where they played all of Dark Souls, all of Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, and maybe even like Bloodborne as well without dying. And it was like back to back. It was something I believe absolutely it. mental. Like yeah, if it was, it, they might have even done Demon Souls at the start. I need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure it was either without dying or without getting hit. I can't imagine like going through a single game without dying, much less oh, yeah, all yeah. of them it, in it a was, row. It was it was absolutely mental. It might have even been without getting hit. Like like it was that what? I saw it and I was like, what the actual fuck? Like, and this person was just like superhuman. The, the Soulsborne community are dedicated, that's for sure. Like, that's why I'm not, yeah. not surprised if it does exist because with how big it is, there has to be at least one person that's done that. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's, that's all the VTuber news I got for you, Harry. You can, you can breathe a sigh of relief finally. Okay, breathe easy. That was interesting, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, what I like is that I kind of like went on about Sonic for ages and it was very much like my sphere of, of, mm. of nerdiness so then like mm. we flipped it back to you with your vtuber thing so i feel like we've both been able to really just give our ted talks on our respective subjects and really right. like nerd out so i think that's good <laughs> yeah. it's pretty balanced it's, it's a shame that kyle wasn't here because i know he definitely has his uh his thoughts on the coca graduation as well but we can maybe get that a little bit that next time so oh, yeah. moving on we got uh we, we've talked about made in abyss a couple weeks ago yeah uh we talked about the video game that got announced uh, oh, we yeah. don't, yeah, we, so we don't have no, more news on that, but we do have more made abyss news other than the fact that the second season finally has been announced. Um, but that's, oh, has it? yeah, so oh, it's been announced. Yeah. Yay. That's the news done. Wrapped up the podcast. No, um, <laughs> what's, what's less sick than the second season of made in abyss 
is that Columbia Pictures has ordered a film script for a live action adaptation of Made in Abyss. Yeah. Uh, and it gets better. It gets better, Harry. Wait for this. Yeah. So it's being produced in collaboration by Roy Lee of Vertigo Entertainment and Masi Oka, who made, also produced the extremely critically acclaimed, everybody loved and adored Death Note live action film. Of a definite live action film. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um, so, so wait, is this an American remake? Um, most likely, yes. Yeah. So it's being directed by uh, Kevin McCullen, who only just now directed his first movie in 2019 called Low Tide. So I, I believe so, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't... Before we go into um, uh, why would we ever do a live action anime again, because... We've we've talked we've done we said that enough on the podcast we've we've, Money. we've gone down that ra rabbit hole plenty of times yeah. so instead instead I want to talk about um, if if this if we if you were able to do a live action made in abyss well like how what would that look like because I I started thinking about this because during E three one of the big announcements was the Guardian of the Galaxy video game which I thought looked very good um, and something that was stood out to me during the developer interview during that was one of them saying is like, it's not about trying to recreate the movie. It's not about trying to recreate the comics. It's about creating the best form of the story universe in the media that we're in the medium that we are using, um, which I thought mm -hmm. made a lot of sense, especially considering, yeah, the, the game definitely did seem to be um, doing something different compared to the, the move, the, the, MCU movies and the comics that you know of, but still are very distinctly Marvel. So I'm thinking here, um, what what can what can live action provide here? And I know it's like we we talked about it before. It's like it'll it'll never be as good as the original. Why would you do it? But all that aside, all putting that aside, um, what what can a live action adaptation be capable of doing that the original either manga series or anime series wouldn't be able to do? Um, I think. So, so if, if I was going to do it, I wouldn't do it as a film. I'd do it as a series, first, okay. first and foremost. I think you cannot do this story as a film. It simply does not work. Right. Um, so it would be a series. I think it could be different characters, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, Because if you're going to be like, oh, it's Rekko and Reg, that's just going to be directly compared to the anime. Also, like, like how are you going to replicate someone like Nanachi um, effectively in live action. Uh, so really quickly um, to comment on that, I saw a hilarious uh, Photoshop of like this abomination CG Nanachi with like the original Sonic movie mouth and eyes before they redid the yeah. Sonic. Like with it, that, that pose oh with his God. mouth open the teeth, it was horrid. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think do different characters because again, like try to do it as a loose adaptation, but not so much of the Maiden Abyss story. So actually have an original story with original characters and just borrow the concept because that way, at least to some degree, it would be its own thing. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you try to retell the story from the manga and anime, it's never going to be better than the original, is it? It's never going to be better than that. So the only thing you can do is do something completely different. I think what they could do in a live action is they can make it darker and more uncomfortable and more gritty and go for an R rating or an 18 rating, as we say in the UK, um, go all in and almost make like a horror, make a sort of horror film or a horror series that's about survival in this sort of mythical place. Um, 
but it's 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 brutal and it's rough and it is is scary and that to me is what they could do to actually make it quite compelling and also quite different from the source material while still not actually taking a shit on the source material right if that I th- makes sense yeah because i think an interesting thing here is that the original series is it's not it's not about rico and red coming back alive like they're they're not thinking about coming back to the surface. Their point is just to get to the bottom. And it's like, well, we're stuck mm. here now. <laughs> like they, they have no plans of coming back to the surface. However, this whole community that's been built around this abyss has existed for a long time. I don't remember exactly how long, but it's been around for a long time in this world. Um, it would, would be really interesting to look into the lives of the more regular uh, cave cave raiders that go in there mm. with the intention of like going down, grabbing artifacts, and coming back alive in one piece, preferably non mutated as well. And that yeah. has a whole other implications, like that uh, that big uncle character in the beginning, uh, Rico's uncle, that that big big man. Do you remember? Yeah, him? yeah, yeah. Like he's he was high up in the whistles as well. So what what precautions they use to go down to these deeper stratums and be able to come back alive? Because coming back up is arguably more dangerous than just descending and we don't really touch on exactly how you do that the precautions you need to take in the original source materials i think that is a very interesting um, that'd be great angle to approach yeah well what if it was a story about one of these kind of upper level cave raiders and they're going into like into one of the upper levels but they slip and they fall somehow Mm -hmm. and they end up way lower down than they're meant to be and then it's a film about them gradually ascending back to the surface yeah and doing all the horror hardships like yeah and doing all the hardships he gives them and it's like a horror film mm-hmm. where they're hallucinating and they're bleeding and it's almost like this violent visceral brutal harrowing horror film yeah and that's told through live action and it's completely original characters right then it's just loosely based on the concept of made in abyss rather than a one-to-one remake because i'll say now a one-to-one remake would be shit because mm. The original source material has already nailed it. Not to it's mention... Never be, sorry, is, finish. Yeah. Go ahead and finish your thought. I was going to say, it's never going to be better than that, so why try? Yeah. And not to mention, um, it's it's one thing seeing animated little children have horrible things done to them. It's another thing seeing actual children have horrible things done to them in live <laughs> action. Uh, Rico goes through a lot of shit <laughs> in the show. Mm. That it, A lot of really uncomfy stuff happens to her. Um don't think I'd want to see that done to an actual child in live action. So yeah, I think going for, first of all, uh, yeah, a more mature, either young adult or adult uh, protagonist or group of characters would lend itself to be a more, I hesitate to use the word palatable, but less, less unsavory, (laughs) I should say. Mm. Um, Sequence of events that can happen to them because yeah, I mean, I feel like this also applies to the Death Note live-action movie. They could have done an original film about completely original characters, um, but just about, like, the Death Note. And, and again, this is the same thing. It's like, if you're going to do an American remake and you're going to set it in America and make it American, don't try to copy the Japanese characters with right. the Japanese setting because it just doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Like, like renaming Light Yagami to Light Turner. It's just like fuck, fuck off, you fucking yanks! Like, like respect other cultures, respect other people, and like I know it's hypocritical after I just called Americans yanks, but I don't well, I don't care. Oh well, um, but no, it, it's like um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, like they could have done a great story about like a high school student in America, only it's a completely original character. Right. And his plight with the Death Note is and completely It's original. like the Death Note movie was halfway there. <laughs> because mm, it, it I, didn't, was all, I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? I, I didn't, but I've seen clips of it. Uh, but it, it seems like, yeah. it almost seems like they originally wanted to like completely separate it out. And then like at some last minute, some, I don't know, big wigs, like, no, we wanted to actually be more connected to the original, like make them all the names. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. But I think at the very least, because Made in Abyss is a fantasy setting, we won't have to worry about that kind of whitewashing. Um, yeah. But there's yeah. still potentials in other regards as well. I think, I think the other advantage that uh, live action has over animation is that first person perspectives, first person shots are in my opinion, much more effective in live action than it is in animation, just because oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can you get that 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 spatial sense of 3D more than, and you can get that in animation, but it takes a lot of work and it's usually not worth it for that work, but they can really lean into that, um, looking through the eyes of these cave raiders, what they're experiencing. Like you said, the hallucinations that they're seeing, just the, yeah. the scene of them, like the kind of scene back in the original when Rico's just like ascending a slope by herself and just like, doing that through first person and seeing like how your vision warps and the way that you just really selling that sense of dread as um, they grow through here. That's, that's an advantage that live action could have yeah. over here. And I think they could make a fantastic film here. This is why I get so frustrated because it's like they could make a fantastic film, but I don't think they will mm -hmm. because ultimately what we're both saying is make something that isn't mainstream. Right. Make something that's more of a genre piece, i.e. a horror film, and it's for a more niche demographic. And you could put that out to a niche demographic and it gets great reviews and it's really popular in that respective circle. But, you know, there's some twat in a suit, some studio executive who's going to say, oh, well, we need to try to actually make it appealing to view fans of the original. So we need to actually call them by their names um, and make sure they are white. So it is also nice for the white American family. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be whitewashing. It's going to be fucking with the source material. It's going to be a complete insult to everything that Made in Abyss is. And then there'll be this kind of like shocker as to like, oh, why was it not successful? Um, that is, you mentioned whitewashing, and I think this is an interesting question. So, like, if, um, if okay, let's say, let's say they took, like, Death Note, for example, mm -hmm. which is obviously about Japanese characters, but they made a completely original story of original characters, completely set in America, so these characters were not based on the original Japanese characters, and, of course, these new American characters were white. Would that still count as whitewashing, or would that be okay so, because it is totally removed from that situation right i think that would be more okay because that would be instead mm. of taking the original story and just like trying to um a, instead of taking the original story and just like re-imaging re certain characters basically that would be re taking them yeah yeah that would be taking the framework of the story and be like okay this is how it play would play out in a japanese society this kind of society where um, the whole is greater than the individual. What if you have that framework? What if you took those tools? The Death Note in the end is a tool. Um, what would happen if you gave that to an average American? How would they use it differently than, I guess Light's not an average Japanese person. I take that back. But um, Yeah, I, I know like, what you mean, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, the way that would play out with all other variables constant would be very different in an American society or UK society compared to a Japanese society. How... Um, yeah. They go about it. So in that regard, I think 
that would almost be respecting the original source material even more because then that's really think that that is saying that the original source material was so effective in fleshing out its mechanics and its world that you can take those foundations and apply them to a completely different different setting and have an entirely different outcome that's still consistent with the original work. I think that would actually that's actually um, you, a very good I mean, thing. there's there's so many amazing things you could do. That, yeah, this is the thing. It's like so. Yeah, firstly, it lessens the harm of whitewashing significantly. But like, they could tell a story where it's like, what about a married couple, and the husband is really jealous. He's really jealous. He thinks his wife's cheating on him and doing all these different things, and he gets a death note and he starts to use this death note to control his marriage and to kill off certain friends of his wife that he doesn't like. And all of a sudden, he becomes a really controlling, manipulative evil, jealous husband who is kind of doing that through the death note. There's just a random idea, but it's like, wouldn't that be way more interesting to explore like a manipulative relationship through the lens of the death note instead of like just retelling the Japanese story we've already seen? Yeah, exactly. Here's something I just, I didn't know. I didn't realize that there's a sequel to the death note film, the live action death note film in the forks. That's, that's oh happening. damn! Oh, how? No. How? How? Who oh, greenlit that? <laughs> I was I was wondering why you weren't saying anything, and that's why because you were just so shocked and upset. Yeah, I, um, I just read those words on my computer screen. Oh, God, <laughs> again, again, it's, I mean, it's like they could they could do another one. They could, they could like do Death Note, but it's like, what if it wasn't in the hands of a politician? Oh, like God. like maybe like an up and coming politician, but like a small time politician who's trying to run for an election. How would they use it to climb up the political ranks? Like like. Why aren't more of these filmmakers actually creative? Mm-hmm. Like, like, why can't we actually think, oh, this could be interesting? Yeah, that's, that's why is it so fucking lazy and boring? That's Where's why your that, imagination. That's why that comment by the Guardians of the Galaxy developer really, really resonated with yeah. me. Yeah, it's just like it's not about trying to recreate the original; it's about trying to create the best story possible in the medium that you're I giving. Think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I really think, respect that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is another game that came out of E3 that looked very good. But yeah, um, so it's going to be a long time before we hear anything more about this Made in Abyss uh, movie. Actually, I'm not even sure if it's, it's not even confirmed if it's a movie or if it's a TV series. So it could possibly be a TV series. I'll, like literally all that's happened is that the script has been ordered. Nothing else has been done yet. It's like, it's going to happen. Stay tuned, I guess. So mm. um, I'm not exactly sure how long the average live action production takes um but i i would guess that we won't hear more about this until at least the end of the year um but yeah it's we can we can hope it's free to have hope (laughs) but uh yeah not not terribly uh enthusiastic about it all righty that's gonna be a wrap for this episode then um we'll go ahead and just give our little closing out and our shout outs sorry where can we find you out? Wait, I got those. I got my wires crossed here. Where can we? I was. Where can we find out? Where can we find you? And what do you want to shout out? Uh, so I'm Carverson Music on Twitter. Uh, and that's my SoundCloud as well, Carverson. So like, look me up by all means. Um, in terms of what I want to shout out, I actually wrote an article recently uh, for you the first sure time all year, yes. and that was uh, about whaling in Japan. Um, and it was just about how, um, there's a particular anime that came out, I think maybe a year or two ago, that's very much pro whaling. And, uh, it's just sort of like, I, I did an article, it's a bit of a criticism of that. And also just like criticizing the whaling industry in general, because like that shit is fucked up. 
Um, I've watched a handful of documentaries about it recently and it's just really, really grim. So uh, I've got that article on Goomba Stomp. Uh, I saw a really good film on Netflix as well last night uh, that's not anime related at all, but it's definitely worth watching called Calibre. Have you heard of it? Calibre is in like Excalibur or? Uh, Calibre is in like, I think a, a Calibre rifle, I okay. believe. I know okay. nothing about guns. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so it's a sort of film where like, I can't tell you anything about it because it's a thriller. <laughs> And like, like so it's a thriller. If I tell you about it and tell you about the, that's inherently a spoiler. That sets everything into yeah. Like I mean, you can if you watch the trailer, it kind of does spoil it for you. But I went in totally blind, and and I didn't know anything. So when the thing happens, it's like oh shit. Um, so like, go in blind. Watch Calibre on Netflix. I, I love that it's, kind of uh, thing. When someone just tells you, just just watch it. Don't don't look anything up. Just watch this. Just, yeah. just go in. It, it's um, it's 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 set in Scotland, and it's two guys that go away on a hunting trip. Which obviously, as a vegan, that's not going to be my cup of tea. But the film isn't about hunting; it's not like a hunting film or whatever. Also, I wouldn't be recommending it. Um, so yeah, that's all. That's all I can say. These two guys go away in Scotland on a hunting trip, um, and then yeah, the film takes place, and it's just really fucking tense and really stressful, uh, and a lot of fun, really entertaining. Just so my my one Calibre question is on like, Netflix. you do classify as a thriller, not horror. Oh yeah, it's not horror. Okay, at all. okay, it's yeah, that's thriller, very yeah. much. Yep, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little baby weenie when it comes to horror. So yeah, it's thrillers. No, okay. no jump, no jump scares, no scary faces. Yeah. Okay, cool. All that's good. all. That's all I need to know then. All right, cool. I'll have to look into that then. All right, I Sweet. am at Musing Mojack M U S I N G M O J A C K on Twitter. Also, the anime editor for our lovely Goomba Stomp website. I just posted a review for Disgaea Six the other day. And also stream that on my Twitch channel, which is also Musing Mojack. Um, Disgaea 6 sure is another Disgaea game. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you enjoyed previous Disgaea games, there's no reason you won't enjoy Disgaea 6. If you haven't enjoyed Disgaea games before, there's no reason you will enjoy Disgaea 6. <laughs> that's, that's my review of it. It definitely has a lot of nice cute quality of life changes, though. But yeah, um, find me on Goomba Stomp. Find me on Twitch, where I'm streaming Mondays on Fridays, some sort of game. And then every Wednesday is an art stream or art practice stream, I should say. doing all, Always doing at least gesture drawing and then some sort of exercise afterwards as well. Um, but beyond that, that's a wrap then. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we will see you next time where hopefully we have all three compadres together again. Yeah. Until then, ciao. Shit bag. S-A-I-T-E.